This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I am Tim Fitzgerald, joined here in the GPC studios by Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gilbert, and two dogs, but keep their names... Out of your <laughs> mouth. Okay. They've got lots of hair. Lots of hair. Speaking of places that uh, have lots of hair, everyone that works at the fridge will sell liquor. I, I don't know that. I don't. I have nothing to... We were at the fridge this weekend. Really? What'd you get? Lime? Ingredients. Ingredients for fun? GWPs. Yeah, now I can't explain what that is. What are the in- ingredients of a GWP? Uh, Irish cream, cranberry juice, green apple, and raspberry liqueur. Okay. I'm a bartender if you didn't know. That. Okay, that's good. I can't say what GWP stands for, but it's not appropriate. Speaking of not appropriate, uh, welcome to the PowerCat Podcast. We've been talking about uh, the slap heard around the world. And uh, I have decided that I'm only going to work in podcast and virtual technology where nobody's around me, so I can't be slapped. Like on the drive, if Scott Chasen gets up and walks across the studio and slaps me, I probably had it coming. But there'll be no, like, just person coming out of the audience. We don't have an audience here. Nobody's slapping us. I like it. I like the barrier. And I also like your questions from Wabash Station. But seriously, though, go to the fridge. Uh, I know you're coming to town for something. You should just come to town and have fun. I mean, we've got hotels in Aggieville. We've got hotels downtown. We've got places for you to stay. Come on in town. And then uh, get some uh, pregame drinking up in your room. Just like treat Manhattan like Vegas. Hmm. Buy some liquor for your room. Get ready. And then go to the bars at the fridge. Cole Carmody's got the first half of this podcast. I don't know why he has the first half. Gills will take the second half. I think they negotiated this. Zach now only lets people ask one question at a time. We've got so many rules around here, I can't keep it straight. It's actually nice. Okay. Uh, and here's Cole. First question comes from Email Wildcat 82 What is everyone's outlook now for the basketball team in 2022-2023 with HCJT? On board. We got to stop that. I'm not a fan. Please have Fitz provide roll. his outlook in the voice of Bob Huggins. Uh, Sorry, I didn't edit that one for uh, you guys. Uh, okay, Zane's probably going to win the NBA championship. Shh, quiet down. You're talking too loud. Uh, I love Bob so much. He just got a mumble. Imagine how loud his mic was on the CBS set. Yeah, like they probably they were probably picking up like people in the 
in behind the scenes in the bathroom because they had Bob's mic. And he's leaning over the table about ready to bring the whole table down. His whole body weights on top of the table as he's turning around. And, and he's wearing sweats. Yeah. I love him. He's just living his life, man. I'm really optimistic about basketball. I'm not going to assign any level of success to him. I'm just excited at the amount of energy and excitement that I'm excited for the excitement, uh, the energy and excitement that they're generating. These coaches are generating amongst the fan base. The fan base needed a jolt. And I think it, it I think it goes past just basketball. I think the fan base just needed a little get up and go. And this has provided it. And the coaches are out there just recruiting their butts off. They're, they're offering everyone. Yeah, I just talked about this on uh, WIBW on my segment there. They're offering it. It seems to me that anyone that they think can play at the Power 5 level coming through the transfer portal, they're offering. And then they're going to back up and say, do we want them or not? But they want to get in quickly, be one of the first offers. And that's what I think they're doing. They're just throwing them all out there. But like other offers, are not actionable. You know, they're well, you can't really commit now. We're still doing some evaluation on you. But I like it. They're, they're very aggressive as recruiters. It's hard. It's hard to get much worse. Like I think we've talked about that multiple times on the podcast. But like, as far as an actual outlook goes, it's kind of hard to say when you don't know who's going to be on the team. Um, we still expect there to most likely be some more movement. So I think it's really hard to give an outlook before you know who's on the roster. But again, as we've talked about, it's not hard, and this is not meant to be a diss at anybody who's leaving. But it's not hard to replace twelve points and four rebounds a game combined between the three guys who are in the transfer portal like it's just not hard to do in fact you can double that you can easily double that and those guys can be your role players like this is not this is not rocket science you you get the you get better players in than the ones that are leaving and yes you will have a better team i'm brian gilbert put up a great update on wabash station i'm not going to get into it because it's behind the paywall about um his observations from talking about to people who might be staying and going. But I'll just say this. I mean, that I love Jerome Tang. He gets up there. I'm not here to rebuild. I'm here to elevate. Okay, who was it? Who was it? It was Zach. It was, it's, sometimes the police break the law. <laughs> um, sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, I, as we sit here right now, we can safely say only three dudes are guaranteed to be back off of this roster. Now, I think it'll be more than that, but only three I have the green light to come back and want to come back. Okay, it takes two to dance here. And those are the three guys that were at the press conference. Ish Masood, Noel, and Pack. Those are the guys. Everyone else, don't know. We've had some departures. Bradford, don't know. We'll just find out. It takes two parties here, and if they can't agree, see ya. And they'll just bring in more guys. You know what that's called? It's called a rebuild. Yeah, like you said, Cole, I think it's tough to evaluate what's left when you don't know what's coming in. But I think in this era of the transfer window or transfer, transfer window, transfer portal, um, way to downgrade it. I, well, from like a science I, sorry, portal I, to a window, like you got to climb in and out of, I actually used a soccer term instead of transfer. Okay. Portal. I'm sorry. Keep your footy out of my podcast <laughs> with the era of the transfer portal, you know, and this isn't exclusive to this year or Jerome Tang or anything else. If you have a bad year like K-State had and like K-State has had the last couple of years, you realistically should be able to go to the transfer portal and find better dudes. 
year in, year out. It shouldn't matter who the coach is. shouldn't matter who the players are. If your team was bad, you should realistically be able to go into the pond and find some better fish. I like that. Gills? Do you have anything, Gills? You're just I, shaking your head. It's a podcast. I when nodded my head. head. I wasn't yeah. shaking my head. Okay. Uh, but the, the, the listeners still couldn't hear the nodding. Well, Daphne and Dude could see it. That's all that matters. They right? don't care. They're Dude's dead. asleep. <laughs> I agree. I like mean, most of our listeners. I don't get how you can't be happy with everything that's going on that's right now. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Next question comes from Florida Cat 90. Florida Cat Fan 90. So far, the three transfer portal hits in basketball have not surprised me. I kind of figured they would be the first ones. I guess we will find out who is willing to step up and have accountability. What are your thoughts on it so far? Uh, I'll say I'm surprised by Carlton Lingard. I am. I, if you look at Baylor big men through the years, that's kind of how they like to play. Uh, a guy that can defend a little bit, that was his weakness, no doubt about it, but can run the court and shoot the ball. I kind of thought he might stick. Maybe not. I, I'm, I don't mean this as an insult, but these guys, a lot of them are really bought into Bruce Weber. And if, if you're not going to be willing to change the culture – if you, you only want to believe in what you were told by the previous staff, you got to go. You just have to go. You either buy in or you get out. And um, I think we're seeing the key guys buy in. It's accountability. That's right. the big word in this question. Right. And if those coaches don't think that they can count on you, then you can't stay. And to be completely honest, I do not know. You know, We, we haven't had interactions with these guys that are leaving. We just have it. And is that because of talent level and them not producing on the court? I guess you could say that. But are they willing to work? Are they willing to grind? Are they willing to, like Coach Tang has said, get it out the mud, right? That's that's the saying. Are they willing to do that? I don't know. If they're not willing to do that, then they're not a fit for the program. I, I truly believe that this program is going to turn into a program of we're going to outwork you. We may not be more talented than you. We may not have better players than you night in and night out, but we're going to outwork you because every single person that they have on the staff right now has had to work. You look at the, the head coach. He didn't play college basketball. He didn't have a college degree. You look at the associate head coach, who we're assuming will be named sooner rather than later. He didn't play college basketball. He had to start as a manager. He was the youngest college basketball assistant coach at the age of 22 years old. He had to get everything by himself. Those are going to be the guys that they recruit. They're not going to go out and just give it to anybody. So if you're not going to be fit for that kind of program, then it's not a place for you. So Marco Bourne was, before we started recording this, was officially announced as the chief of staff. It's a fascinating title. I, I've said this on the podcast. I wish Chris Kleiman had one, a former head coach, um, someone that kind of runs the shop when you're gone. And that's what's going on for the most part right now. Jerome Tang and his two named assistants, or assistants once named, uh, are out grinding. They're out trying to find guys. They're on the road. Coach Tang's been back in Waco. I mean, he's got ends to tie off and all that stuff. Well, Coach Bourne is here. That's what a chief of staff is. He's the anchor that stays in the office. And so when he tweets the other day, instead of making excuses, make progress, I don't think that was a random selection of words. I absolutely do not think that was a random selection of words. I think it took him about 48 hours to realize mm -hmm. they had a cultural excuses. 
I think they sat in there and probably in the meeting said, so what, what went wrong with the team last year? And the excuses started to flow. And they're like, this ain't going to work. You guys either got to stop finding things, reasons that you fail and find reasons why you can succeed. And that tweet said it all to me. That was not random. He chose that tweet for a reason. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really anxious to excited to see what happens with this roster and who they bring in and how they, how they handle this. Yeah. I wasn't surprised by Salt Miguel, Luke Kazuki, those two, regardless of coaching change, I think that they were probably going to be in the portal regardless. Yeah, I think Selton was heading, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, just the way things were trending. I'm surprised by Lingard just because he was kind of a fringe guy that probably should have been seeing some more minutes with Bruce. But, you know, you change coaches and maybe you get a fresher start. And like you said, Fitz, he kind of plays like how Baylor big men play. So, you know, it is a little bit perplexing there, but... You know, it, outside of the three that we've talked about, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they were the only three that ended up staying. You know, Nigel Packish, Masood, Marquise Noel, if they were the three that stayed and everyone else transferred, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I don't think that's going to happen. No, but I, I have just, a feeling Logan the, Landers will stay. The way that the way that college basketball and the transfer portal and college sports in general have changed with the portal, it, nothing surprises me anymore. I agree. You guys are probably going to make fun of me. I will. M- Maluggy? Oh. Is that how you say it? Ulrich Maluggy? Maluggy. I believe that's it. Okay. He recruited mm-hmm. Lingard at Tech, and a spot filled up for him, so they never really pursued it too much. But to back up your guys' points, I'm even more surprised that Lingard transferred this soon. It, like you mentioned, Cole, the guys that want to stay and want to work hard are going to be here, and the guys that don't are going to bail. That's just how it is. And I think that was the case for Miguel. I think Kazubki probably wasn't ever fit to play at a power five level, but Miguel and probably every other player that transfers from here on out is going to be under that category. Cole. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's Yurik Maluggy. That was close. Yurik doesn't make sense. There's a damn L in there. Yurik. <laughs> Yurik. Remember Corby Irving? Maluggy. His name made no sense based off of how you spelt it. Yeah. You know why the L is silent? Because mm. he doesn't take him. Oh, boy. Oh. oh. <laughs> Clip that and send it to him. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, next question. Sure. sure. Cole Karma me. <laughs> next question from probably the best name in the history of this website. I'm not afraid to say it. Okay, what? Play hard chart RIP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, new member, so welcome to the podcast. They have six posts, and they said that they changed. They were able to figure out how to change their username. So I don't know if they were somebody else before, hmm. but got to go. say it. That's good. All right, there we go. Thank you, Play Hard Chart RIP. Um, the question says, roster changes will be mostly focused on adding talent from the portal. Other than Manning, would we expect Tang and company to add any more 2022 high school signees? It might happen, but I, I know more of the focus is on the portal. Yeah. And they want guys who can shoot. There's just not many good players out there right now. There's some players, but I think those players are – if they've come back open, they were committed or signed, and they've come back because maybe they're going to LSU, whatever, you know, they're going to go back to their original list, not throw Kansas State of all mm-hmm. places in there. So I, I don't see a whole lot of action on the on the front. for. But maybe, maybe they've come across a kid in Houston who's a late bloomer or – um, I think we might see some action out of prep schools, sure. but mostly transfer portal. I think, and take Aiden Shaw yeah. real quick as an example. That's been a name that's been thrown out there a lot. 
went, you know, committed to Mizzou coaching change. He's back um, undecided. Most of his top priorities have, you know, filled up by now. And Kansas State, there hasn't been any contact with Shaw and K-State. I don't think that – I don't want to be, you know, bluntly put here, but I don't know if Tang and his staff ever will for a number of reasons. Like I mentioned, they want guys who can shoot and really play and a couple of other reasons. Um, you know, Shaw's minutes kind of went back this last season that he played, and I don't see that happening. But, it, you know, I don't know if he's the best fit, but more importantly – they're just not really looking for these high school guys. They are priority. I mean, pretty, pretty much every guys we've play. seen on Twitter, guys that can, you know, they're ready to play. Like you mentioned, Fitz, they're ready to play and, and they're transfer guys. I think a lot of it has to do too. You know, we talk about the unsigned guys. I mean, I know this is Ryan's favorite saying about the portal. I mean, you're unsigned for a reason. And so um, is that because of a coaching change? Is that because of an LSU situation? Or is that just because a, you know, there's maybe something else there. I think if you can get somebody, that you really like in this high school class because there is still talented players available and you know and Fitz you mentioned well they're not going to consider K-State you know if they, they they these were their top schools and so why would they consider K-State now I think the only exception is if Jerome Tang or Maligi was involved in their recruitment before at Baylor and Texas and so that does kind of throw a wild card in the situation because we have no idea how these kids relationships build how these kids relationships grow and so Let's be honest. A lot of the times, they come here to play for the coach. Michael Beasley didn't come to K-State to come to K-State. What? He came here to play for a coach. So I think that the relationship is just as big as anything. Okay, folks, I'm turning Cole's mic off. He's got an outlandish. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, it's going to be fun to watch. And what we've learned from the portal all across the charts is a lot of high-level teams brought in guys from mid-major or even smaller. I mean – there's a guy from Northwest Missouri State playing on Creighton and filling it up with second team all Big East, I think. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even the best player on his Division II team. Right. That guy's in the portal. He's also another short guard. But um, I, it will be fun to see where they get these guys from because there almost seems like the portal's proving there's more value in going out and finding a guy that's coming from just putting out the Cleveland State. Just you know, randomly or Longwood. There's a guy from Longwood. Um, then Arkansas Little Rock, right? Then a guy that's coming from Missouri. I mean, if you've been successful in scoring and rebounding and playing at a at a high level, competitive level, we'll see if you can do it at the Power Five level. And I think time is proving that's very true. Yep. Next question comes from Duria. When can we expect yeah. K-State to potentially land their first commitment slash transfer in basketball? Oh, man. I'd say any time now. I mean, Noel and, and Smith were both right at the end of March last year, and then Masood was mid-April. So I, I know this is probably a week or two pushback with the coaching change. Is that right? I'm not doubting you. Yes. That, that's amazing to me because I remember thinking at the time it seemed late. Mm-hmm. Like other guys that already made their choices. And I'm not seeing a ton of transfer portal announcements at this point. Are, am I missing that? No, I don't think there's hardly been lot. any decisions. Any decisions made. I, I, I saw just, one today on Twitter for like a guy from Mizzou to Arkansas. But, I mean, other than that, not a whole lot. You would think it'd be soon, though. I'm with Ryan. Sooner rather than later. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're getting busy. Hey, they're, they're all over the place. I mean, I I think – Look, you know me. I like conspiracy theories. I think there's actually three or four Jerome Tangs. 
because he's everywhere. He's in New York. He's in Waco. He's in Manhattan. How's he do it? Is he a wizard? Oh, maybe he's a wizard. That's a pretty good bang for your buck. Yeah. But next Friday is kind of the... Oh, you're just going to put that down? No. A Friday news dump? No, not a Friday news dump. I'm just saying if K-State doesn't have a signing by next Friday... I would be surprised. They got to get busy here. I mean, let's just be honest. If we think there's going to be going to be more people in the portal, you've got to start getting some of your top targets because if you don't, you're slowly going down the list of okay, now we got to start not scraping the bottom of the barrel, but we got to start taking some flyers on some kids. Yep. So they got to get if busy. They're going to get be seven between 7 and 10 guys. Yeah, you better start Fridays, I believe April 8th. I'm holding you to it. Okay. We Next better, podcast. Hopefully we should we should have somebody yeah, there we go. I mean, what's I agree with you, Cole, that you got to get on it quickly. But at the same time, there's still some of these guys trickling away from Kansas State. So the outward, you know, people entering the portal, there's still more people being added, if that makes any sort of sense. Well, any of the guys leaving K-State end up at a power five, power six with the Big East in that? I don't think so. DePaul? Uh, DePaul, would, DePaul would be Big East. I guess that's Dejuan Gordon, former yeah, K-State that, Wildcat. That's but, where we're that's guessing. Yeah. Um, I'd say Selton Miguel is the only one with a chance. I could see him at a Big East school. I could see him at a school, even like an ACC school. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he'll go probably close to Florida back home. Mm. Maybe he'll go to Central Florida and end up playing back here. <laughs> Next question from BB. Are you surprised that Shane Southwell is not likely on the staff? No, I'm not at all. I'm not. I mean, I don't have anything against Shane, but as this develops, it's become very clear that this wasn't like, hey, I'm a head coach. Who do I want on my staff? This was years ago when I become a head coach. These are the guys I want on my staff. And that's what's playing out here. And I think when they make the third announcement, it'll be another guy that has been in the works for quite a while to be on the staff. These are his guys. That's all I wanted from this. And if Shane turned out to be one of those guys, it's fine. But again, I am really sensing they need to get rid of the culture, and they know that having guys on the bench that were part of the previous program would actually probably hurt, which I guess is a shot at Shane, but I don't intend it that way. Now, that doesn't mean Shane may not – he had a very cryptic tweet about it's not about your title, it's about your career or whatever. So I guess there's a chance that maybe a player personnel or something for Shane, but – I also believe this. If he proves himself to Jerome Tang, if he stays at a lesser position, a non-coaching, non-recruiting position, but he proves himself, I think this core group of guys that he's bringing in might only be together two, three years before someone moves on, particularly if Tang wins. So then he might just slide right into the staff. So it's it's going to be very interesting. You got Frank Martin out there hiring too, so maybe that's someplace Shane will end up. I'm not sure that bridge is available to him. I think somebody I was talking to um, put it best. Shane Southwell is a East Coast recruiter. And so to not have that presence, I think, is not something that K-State will struggle with, but that we're so used to seeing that happen um, where K-State gets these guys from the East Coast. And maybe now that won't happen quite as much because he may not be around. But either way, I think if that is closed, you still have such a good recruiting staff to where having that loss doesn't hurt. And you're right, Fitz. I think Shane Southwell is going to be a great basketball coach, but um, I just think with the amount of talent that these coaches are bringing in on the staff, it becomes 
a question of, do you want to try and keep a K-State or somebody who has been around these players, or do you want to try and completely change the culture? And at this point, I think changing the culture is what you have to be all in for. I agree. Obviously, it's going to hurt losing, I guess, that Northeast you know, recruiting base that you had, but I mean, they're going to be killing it down in Texas. I mean, every coach, you know, this last staff had St. Louis, you know, Chicago, that Indiana, that sort of area. I don't think it matters where you are as long as you can get players. So I'm okay with Shane, you know, not being on the staff for what it's worth, but uh, you guys both mentioned it, you know, they don't want that culture that Shane was with. And from what I've heard, Curtis Kelly and, and Zach Price, the GAs will be back. So Maybe it's just a matter of who wants to buy in and who doesn't. Um, but, you know, certainly wish Shane the best. But, you know, it's not a jab at him or anything. But maybe it's best if they move on. Last question of the first half comes from 224Cats. New user, so welcome to the site. Welcome to the podcast. Will basketball tickets sell out for this next season with all the hype? Absolutely. And here's my question. So do we – hang on. Do we know how many tickets – what percentage of season tickets had been sold – the last no, I don't. This last season, there's more tickets sold than what I we appreciate. Yeah, like for example, one of my friends from Salina wanted to. I've said this before. Upgrade and move his seat into the. He's kind of in a corner, not really in a corner, but just where the side turns into a corner, and he wanted to move into the main alumni section, and there was none available for, for two seats. So all those seats are sold. That people just weren't using them because they didn't want the see the product. Now, I did find out today that the new Shamrock Zone seats up at the south and north end zone, jeez, the directions are not my thing, at north, those were mostly unsold. Those are pretty cool seats, too. They got little TVs. They got TVs. So if you don't like the product you're watching, watch another game. Huh. But um, this is the big question. How many tickets will the students get? Because they've been given corner sections to fill that technically haven't been theirs in the past but they went unsold so they just let kind of student overflow into them and ga tickets were sold i think they're going to sell out that arena i really do i'll be shocked if they don't and and i think we'll see commitment to coming to town at least in the first season a little bit more um loyal to that but i also want to see them really think about how they schedule games and how the public can access those games. I, I, I really am a fan of once the students leave for the holiday, don't play in Manhattan. Hmm. Don't, if they're gone in, in December, the students are off campus playing Kansas city, playing Wichita help, you know, play, play road games, play road games, go, go to Texas. You know, I don't care. Go take this on the, this show on the road a little bit. Um, yeah, because I just don't like seeing Bramlage empty like that. And I think it gives the, the fan base a bad rap in some ways because there are real challenges for K-State fans who are spread out all, all over the state and not just driving from a Walmart location in Kansas City to go to Allen Fieldhouse. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's much more difficult for, you know, if you're in Wichita, Kansas City, and you're a K-State fan, it's tough. The irony is, if you're in Wichita and a, a KU fan, it's about the same drive. Maybe even shorter because you got that interstate going, mm-hmm. cutting the corner. So I, I'll just be really fascinated to see how they address scheduling. The scheduling is really tough. It's hard to get all the pieces lined up. But quit playing trash teams in late December at home because nobody wants to be there. But if this, if if K State is winning and they're having success, students will come back. 
I mean, that that I, I fully believe that it will become more of a priority if the energy is around the program. And if you make it a priority, students will make it a priority. And I think fans will too. As long as we have less than eight Sunday non-con home games, I'm happy. I'm fine with the Sunday non-con for the football aspect of sure. it. But schedule some more games on Friday nights. I mean, it's more work yeah. for me, more work for us. But... Get people into town Friday night. Give them a game to go to. It's really good. They go to the football game, and then they can go to the basketball game at noon or 1 o'clock in the afternoon, get home by 8 o'clock. That's a great point. Every home football game in basketball season should have an accompanying Friday night game. That'd be awesome. Not Sunday, Friday night. And they've done that in the past. I know. There Real so game, many. not exhibition, because those exhibitions are usually Fridays, aren't they? I, yeah. They I, don't do even, put, I don't even care about exhibitions. Go play two yeah. of those scrimmages. I don't want to see an exhibition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like going to the gym and seeing random men naked. I don't want to see that. Was that a bad metaphor? Pulled that one out, huh? so to speak. That's it for the first half of the Power Cap podcast. Someone turned off my mic. Let's take a break. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. We do this every week. It's Fitz and Zach and Coles and Gills and two dogs, one that's farting, right here in the GPC studio. You gave everybody a Z. Mm-hmm. Because you're a zero without a Z. Hold on. What? Huh? Um, <laughs> we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquors. Make sure you stop in the fridge whenever you're in Manhattan. It's the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. And here are the questions from Wabash Station for the second half. As the two guys across the table from me split up duties, and now Gills takes over. Ryan Gilbert, it's your chance. My time to shine. To mix a delicious drink called the Questions from Wabash Station. <laughs> From Powercat Ryan, who do you think would have more wins at K State, Tang or a hypothetical Underwood hire after one, five, ten years? 
I don't know. I don't know. This is not a fair question, <laughs> especially after one year. Yeah, I, I mean, we're not even, we're weekend yeah. on on Jerome Tang officially. Um, I was thinking about this earlier today. Well, or I'm not putting any limits on it. Let's put yeah. it that way. Earlier today or yesterday, I was thinking. I'm like, you know, Brad hasn't had great success in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament at Illinois. What if? And the committee usually has a decent sense of humor, or at least very good at making coincidences. What if K-State, with Jerome Tang in year two, three, matches up with Illinois in a 4-5 or a 3-6 bracket, and they make it to to Saturday or Sunday? Mm. That'd be fun. I think it's the dream matchup for any K-State fan. You get to find out who your guy is. You know, is who made the right decision with what they did? I'm calling it. I'm calling it now. K State will be a six seed next year. UMass will be an eleven seed next year, Ooh. and Illinois will be a three seed. K State will beat Frank Martin and and as the six seed versus the eleven, and then they will play Brad Underwood. In I Illinois. Can, uh, Oregon is the fourteen seed. <laughs> I can see uh, this. Happen. Anybody else? I can UNLV. see this. U- UTSA is is. Uh, is Steve Henson still at UTSA? Yes, he is. There you go. Not there's doing your, well. He's nowhere near the tournament. There's your 14 seed. They're going to make a run. Hmm. Hmm. The, the committee does like to do that. It's pretty funny. I think what Powercat Ryan is getting at is, um, especially with these five years, 10 years, is Jerome Tang the type to stay at K-State? Because yeah. I think the assumption is that Brad Underwood would. Um, and I think the answer to this question is yes. Yeah. I mean, the only way I see He's him 55. leaving— Exactly. Is maybe for an NBA job, but even then, like, what do you what do you really gain when it comes to that? I, uh, I don't. Okay, think let's say they absolutely tear it up, and in year three, he's in the Final Four. No, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's just say that's out there. And then Calipari uh, gets arrested because I think we all know he will eventually for something. I'm not sure what. Just being weird, just being kind of creepy, kind of being maybe he's in the mob. I don't know. Anyhow, Kentucky comes open and they offer him eight million dollars a year. I'll go to Jerome's house and help him pack. I mean, you got to take that job. So I'm not going to say he's never going to, but I get the feeling after staying 19 years in Waco, Texas, he's not coming to any head coaching job that he waited on to leave after two, three, four years. I think he's here until he's done coaching. I, I think that played a role in why Gene Taylor picked him. It certainly played a role in why he picked Chris Kleiman, and now we get this dynamic duo of guys in their mid-50s that are just going to tear it up for at least 10 years. He fits he fits the Bill Snyder mold of Kansas State coaches. Find somebody. Frank Martin's like this too. Mm-hmm. Find somebody. Give them their first opportunity. Make them love the place, and they'll stay loyal to you. And I think Chris Klein is the same way. Obviously, a little bit different being a head coach at at the FCS level, but I think that right now, and I think it's something other than other than getting a K Stater yourself. Um, you know, that's what people wanted with Brad Underwood. You know. Other than finding somebody that's, you know, played for K-State, I think the next best thing and the thing that K-State fans want the most is who's a guy that's going to stay and who's a guy that's going to love Manhattan? Because I think that that's the next sell point. If you can't get one of your own guys, that's the next thing. I think you, you know, you obviously you got that with Bill Snyder. You got that with Frank Martin for a bit. And then I think you're getting it with Chris Kleiman. And I think you're absolutely getting it from Jerome Tang. Because he could have gone anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, for at whatever point during his 19 years at Baylor, he could have done. He could have gone a lot of places. He waited it out. 
he got a job in the Big 12. And, you know, good for him for getting a job at the Power 5 level in the Big 12, in the conference that he's most familiar with. You know, it, he could have gone to any team, and I've said this before, he could have gone to any team in the conference and, you know, figured out which guys on those teams can make him su- successful as a head coach. Jerome Tang is a man of faith, and he's mentioned that everything happens for a reason. And he had, like you mentioned, Zach, a lot of opportunities to play elsewhere or, or coach elsewhere, excuse me, and just said no. It didn't feel right. You know, and, and with K-State, he had that gut feel that, you know, this really felt like the one, and he wanted to take it. So if he gets a, an offer to go coach at Texas for 500 k more, he's not doing that. Now, like you said, Fitz, if that Kentucky scenario is to happen, sure, he's gone. But I agree, he's probably here for the long haul. Yep, I agree. Next question from Wildcat John. New welcome. New. Wow. I just completely read the script. Wow. Dude, <laughs> I put asterisks. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. New I'm sorry. Welcome. That's my Bruce Weber impersonation. I'm sorry. sorry. Like a sorry. Canadian. Like the good Canadian. <laughs> you want, you want to, Are you guys going to keep roasting you, me or is that you it? You want to yeah. say, welcome to this new member? Welcome, to the, welcome. welcome this new member to the I wonder podcast. if this individual's welcome, name new. is John. New welcome. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, how many how many more wins yeah this is really we're moving to football by the way okay oh we're on to football now football time sorry how many more wins does chris Kleiman? you you can't read it's colin klein same initials that does not say chris Kleiman. ck instead of hc ck what a mess gills how no, many more wins does we're leaving all this in? <laughs> how many more wins does Colin Klein, as offensive coordinator, add this year? And what is your way? Your what? This guy spelled too wrong. What is your way too early season prediction? <laughs> win loss record for football. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, John. <laughs> oh, Sorry, John. way too early has John. Yes, Wildcat John or Zach, who's the one that edits these questions. Hey, I missed that. <laughs> I, what's funny is I did edit this question, so. <laughs> I did probably screw that up. <laughs> I don't. Well, let's just say this: What do you think is a reasonable win total next year? What will be regarded as a good season? I'd say seven. I think it's always no. going to be seven. No, I, I, mean, I don't mean always, but just. I think after last year, it's got to be nine. I do too. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that? Are you counting a bowl game? Mm-hmm. No. no. So nine. eight regular season, nine, nine. bowl game, nine or... regular season. No. Oh. Okay, yeah. Oh. Okay. I think you have to take that next step. Yeah. Because this was not a good, this was not a good season, and they still have finished with eight wins, right? I mean, they were seven and five, and they beat and the teams. They I should've. think we can sit here and say if Colin Klein called the game he did at the bowl game in Austin, Texas, they win that game easily. And that at least now, now, granted, I still am of the belief that if K State beats Texas, they don't beat Clemson, and that's cheese at bowl no matter who's that's calling. True. So you and, you still finish with eight. And Messingham gets fired either after the bowl game or is still around. Probably. I think everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Thank you, Coach Tang. I do think Colin Klein is going to have a very positive impact in this because I feel like he's going to run an offense that the players will embrace better, that will complement K-State's defense better um, because it's going to perpetuate drives. Nobody knows how to pick up a third down and short better than Colin Klein. That's probably what Will Howard will do a lot of. We'll actually put the big guy in. And by the way, they said he's put on 10 more pounds. I wanted to ask Colin Klein, 
does anyone want to just shove him into the tight end meetings? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's beginning to look like one. I, I think he will have a positive impact. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say he's case will win 17 more games next season than what it would without him, because that might be an exaggeration. Might. But I, I do think it'll make this program better. As far it's not, go ahead. It's it's not about how many more games K State wins with clients, about how many less games they lose without messing him. Wow, that was almost prophetic. It's profound. It's profound, yeah, that's what it is. If you're looking at win loss total, there's no reason that they For lose I can't speak, he's pretty good. There's no reason they lose any games in the non conference, and I'm assuming that that is a win over Missouri at home. You can't lose that game. If you want to have a successful season, you can't lose that game. This is the Stanford of last year. Right. If you want to have a good football team, you can't lose that game. So they got to go three and zero in the non-con, and then um, they have Oklahoma on the road. They have Iowa State on the road, TCU on the road, Baylor on the road, uh, West Virginia on the road. Those are your road games. Not exactly an easy stretch, right? This is that year where those games are probably are not to your favor. But I mean, I I, I think you're right, Fitz. If if you go eight and four, that is the to me that's the baseline. The baseline before has been seven and five. Chris Kleiman has established a culture of winning now to where the baseline every year should be eight and four. And that's just that's just the reality of the situation. If you go nine and three, that means you're gonna you will realistically have a chance to play in the Big Twelve championship game all the way until probably the end of the end of the year. So if you're in contention for a big for to being in the Big Twelve championship, if you're in that top three, if you're in that top four, I think that's a successful season. I'm still gonna go with seven. I think that me too. There's too many questions at quarterback still. I get that everyone's excited about A.G. Martinez, and I get that I love pumping up Will Howard. I think that it's obvious that Will Howard is taking a little bit of a different role than what he's had in the past. But even I will, I will, I don't want to say dog on him, but Will Howard hasn't been reliable, as reliable as he should have probably been filling in for Skylar Thompson. So there's just there's too many questions there i think that wide receiver still question marks there i think that the offense i think the best thing for for the offense is colin klein coming in taking over innovating you know creating some new plays different play calls i think that that's good for the offense i just don't know how it's going to play out over a nine game conference season it was one thing to see it against LSU, a depleted LSU team, a team that had an interim head coach and was there just to essentially get Brian Kelly on national television and have a, you know, be on a soapbox for a little bit. So And talking a southern accent. Yeah. Talking a, a, in a southern accent <laughs> to the fans on ESPN watching. Um, so, yeah, I... I, if they win seven games, if they go seven and five, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's a good season. I'm just saying that that is absolutely what I expect for from this team. But realistically, going to what you say, Fitz, this team should – the Cheez-It Bowl, if we're going to talk about postseason, I think the Cheez-It Bowl needs to be your minimum destination at the end of the year. I think that if you – you go seven and five and you go to the, the Cactus Bowl or you go to the Texas Bowl again, I think that, yeah, you're going to be disappointed, you know, regardless of who your opponent is and if you win the game. But I think that the next step, as far as a measuring stick, I think is getting to the Cheez-It Bowl. And I think, you know, you can get there at eight and four. 
you, you almost got there at seven and five. It just kind of depends on how, how everything else plays out. But being in one of those top four bowl games, you know, if the Big 12 gets two into the New Year's six, you got the Alamo and you got the uh, the Cheez-It Bowl. You need to be in one of those bowl games, I think. That's that's where I would be happiest for predicting K-State. But I do not expect that high, if that makes sense. I expect seven and five. That's that's what you absolutely should be at your worst. But I, I do think there's the potential to be better. Fitz and Cole, I agree that, that K-State, the time is now for this football team to get over that hump. But I am with Zach that there's just too many question marks to really believe that they will be able to. So I think I think seven is the benchmark. Okay. Cool. Okay. You agree with me. I'm very happy. I'm not. From Cole Cats 3. Did I get that right, Zach? Got it. And it's spelled Cole like, not you, Cole, like the, the store, Coles, like Cole. Oh, with a K? Yeah. What a weirdo. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is the stat line for Adrian Martinez going to have to be to get the Cats over the eight-win hump? I guess Cole and Zach would say nine, but passing Fitz, yards. Fitz would say nine. Touchdowns. Nine. Passing yards to touchdowns, completion percentage. <laughs> that took me a, a second to, yeah. Rushing yards, touchdowns, et cetera, turnovers, et cetera. This is too complicated for me. <laughs> I'll just say this. He's got to be good. He's got to cut down on his interceptions. Uh, I think Colin Klein will use him differently in some ways. I mean, he's such a electric runner, him with Deuce Vaughn. Having Deuce Vaughn back there is going to open things up for him. I mean, I, I don't know. He, he Whatever happens, he can't throw the interceptions he did in Nebraska. He just can't. And that's one thing they're going to zero in on. I guarantee it. I feel like Adrian Martinez is kind of a Band-Aid for the wide receiver issue a little bit. You get a guy that's good with his legs, that can be a playmaker. You put him in there next to Deuce Vaughn. You have that threat. But then if you throw in the interceptions with the wide receivers, it's just kind of like... Maybe. Uh, yeah. I, maybe. I, it's Maybe. just dicey call, for me. Call me crazy. I, I will be pessimistic on Adrian Martinez, unfortunately, for probably through September. Call me crazy. Get us to, get us to conference play on you, Adrian. In fact, call me crazy, Zach. You're going to call me crazy. But I don't know if there's a giant re- question mark at receiver. We just we just don't know. Like They didn't use the receivers last year in that offense. So I'm not ready to sit here and say that receiver is, is a bad spot for this team. I mean, is it going to be good? We don't know. We just don't know. Like They have not had an offense where they have effectively used the receivers in years. Is that because of the offensive coordinator or is that because of the talent? I don't know, but I'm not ready to sit here and but say if that. if Adrian Martinez is known for throwing interceptions, he's got to get the ball to the wide receivers. And you're going to find out what, what the problem is. The change of scenery is undefeated. That's what that I truly believe that. I just don't see there's any way that this offense takes a step back from last year. I just don't. I mean, you return your All-American running back, you return every single receiver, and you return uh, all Big 12 left tackle, who, who I have total faith in Connor Riley's and his staff that they will completely have that offensive line ready to play. And so you return a, f- a great amount of your offense. I'm not ready to sit here and say that I am worried about Adrian Martinez. Do I think that he can be just as good as Skylar Thompson? Yes. Do I think he's going to be better than Skylar Thompson? Yes. So therefore, by default, the offense will be better. And that doesn't even bring in the fact that there's a new offensive coordinator. So I I don't know. I just have faith that the talent level of Adrian Martinez is better than the talent level of Skylar Thompson. Hmm. I'm not sure I would go there, but um, he's got to manage the turnovers. 
And then then I might be there. The turnovers just are they're awful. So do we think this could be a Marquise Noel situation? Explain. What, what do you mean? A lot of good with a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston. That, that's actually really probably yeah. a better comparison. <laughs> but would that necessarily be a terrible thing for the offense? Well, like, but I would I would say a Mark Smith situation, a guy that never could be himself in the system in which he's played. Maybe he comes in and finds comfort. Maybe being in town with his girlfriend will help. I'm not a scientist or a biologist. Sports psychiatrist. Or sports psychiatrist. Or a bartender. Back to you. Next question from Cat and KC. From what? Cat and KC. Cat and KC. Hold on. Is it is it Cat with a C or K? It's C with a C, but the N is just an N. Cat in. I like it. KC. Like I've been on this podcast for a while. I don't remember this name either. Along with it's been a while. Cat. Anyway, there seems to be a little more of a positive vibe from recruits. Has there been a change in approach with the new staff influence, and will this be Chris Kleiman's best class? I missed something there. I had a, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. Positive vibe from recruits. Will this I, be Chris Kleiman's best class? Well, I think we all agree that this 23 class in the state of Kansas is monumental for the program. And not just because they're talented players, but it's symbolic. If you can get a majority of these guys that you want, and you'll lose some, there's no doubt about it, then that sends a message to the kids in 24 and 25 and Particularly if it's an Avery Johnson, the high visible quarterback decides I'm staying home. I've got offers from Arkansas. I've got offers from Notre Dame or wherever he actually has an offer from. Yes. Well, it may not be actionable. That's my, that's, I love that. I, I wish the NCAA would address that. If you make an offer, a kid can commit, period. But, um, you know, the, to win those battles would be a, a, a big symbol to all the other kids coming up in the state of Kansas that it's not cool to go out of state. It's cool to stay here and be in front of the, the home crowd. I think it has a chance to be their best class. I mean, even if you don't land one of those top Kansas kids, I mean, you still have guys like Wesley Fair who are extremely talented players. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because they haven't really had any commits except for Camden Beebe. And so, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I think that they have an opportunity here, and, and it's like that every year, right? You have an opportunity to do something. But when you have this much talent in your backyard, it really feels like you got to take advantage of it. Yeah. Cole, well, you don't have a backyard. We have an apartment. Mm. Well, there's no talent at your apartment either. This is true. I think if you land Avery Johnson, I think it's unquestionable that is the best class that Chris Kleiman has, has signed at K-State. And it could be that way for a while. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that Avery Johnson is going to be this godsend, this amazing quarterback for K-State. Who knows what his future could be. But at least from the rankings and from, you know, from 24-7 recruiting, whatever, if you get him or Dylan Edwards, you know, you're looking at easily just from, one, the the pedigree, just the, the rankings and, and being a good player. Two, he's from your state. That's been the key thing. There's good players in the state of Kansas. There's no question about that. But K-State hasn't done well winning those players lately. And you, you hit two birds with one stone, and you finally kind of crack the code of getting these these top guys because you see, you know, they'll go to OU if they're from, you know, the Wichita area or, or Kansas City. Go to OU, go to Ohio State, go, you know, wherever. Go to Minnesota and then come back to KU. Um, you know, there's, I think there's kind of a shift here 
you know, and, and it could start with this class in 2023 with, with these two players. Last question of the podcast from long-term cat. This is not a new member, but Zach doesn't remember this user. So I welcome. don't remember you ever being cat. on the podcast, but you have like a hundred, like 80 some months, which is longer than we've been with 24 seven. So hmm. you've had a very old account. Hmm. Hence long-term cat. long-term cat. That is him. At what positions do the football staff still need to get quality bodies out of the transfer portal, assuming that after spring practices, kids become available for next year to be a league title run for the Cats? Running back, defensive tackle, safety. Anything? Offensive line? I don't think so. You just said you just praised Riley and how good this line's going to be next year. Yeah, but injuries happen. I think they get enough guys. They just have to. I think it's just a puzzle piece. Yeah. Put them together. So you're saying... But you're right. If they have a bunch of injuries in the spring, like, you know... Happen with Podier. Yeah. I mean, if they have a couple of those, maybe they do, but... Running back, for sure. Apparently, Oklahoma State's taking all of the offensive linemen out of the portal. Did they not have an offensive line returning at all? I think they've taken two, three guys out of the portal just recently, hmm. headline. But yeah, no, I think they're pretty... Corner? Uh, maybe. Maybe. It depends on how many openings they have, too, but... Yeah, I think most of the work will be on the defensive side, but uh, I I do think if a running back pops up that can be a complimentary piece, they'll do that. Um, particularly if it's a younger guy that might be able to stay, if this is it, hypothetically for Deuce, which I don't think it will be, but hypothetically. I think safety, you mentioned safety. I was at practice. We, went, we were able to go to practice on Tuesday morning Jealous. and film a little bit of it. It, there wasn't that much. I mean, it's it's a practice, but I did watch the safeties for a little bit, and looking at them, you're like, who are the guys here? And like, I had to think about them. Like, you got T.J. Smith, and you got Marvin Martin, and that's pretty much it. You really don't have much. So I think absolutely, absolutely, you need to go out and find a safety because you lost a lot when you lose Russ Yeast and Reggie Stubblefield. One more. Is there one more? Am I am I <laughs> am I missing one off the top of my head? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, J Mac. Yeah, we're talking about J Mac. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, no, I think they definitely have to go find a safety. And with the luck they had with Rush East, uh, it's a pretty easy sell. I think that mm-hmm. this is what you come in and do. And now he's going to get drafted, or maybe he, I think will. he will. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm sorry, I got I got. Uh, Distracted there for a second, uh, but I started putting this together. We got the overlap. The over. If if you're familiar with anyone that works in the sports media world, the overlap is the worst. It's like working in uh, retail during the holidays, and that is the portion of football season that overlaps with the start of basketball season because you're going all over the place. But I'm I'm really concerned about uh, our ability to properly cover Jerome Tang's basketball program, Zach, and uh, they they play a early season tournament that I think would be important for us to cover. Mm-hmm. Do we need passports? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's the Cayman islands. Um, but I'm like, hold on, you know, usually those are like Thanksgiving, you know, overlap with the football game and it screws us up. Uh, Zach, um, the week before Thanksgiving, the Saturday before Thanksgiving week, Kansas state plays, uh, in West Virginia. I didn't know the Cayman islands were in West Virginia. And, Oh, foot, we're talking about football, football in West right. Virginia. And so, uh, but the tournament in the Cayman Islands is Monday through Wednesday. And then we fly to Waco from the Cayman Islands? To Waco? For what? Football. That's not what is I'm... Is it back-to-back? 
No. Yeah. It's no. Okay. I, maybe Sorry. I'm looking at the wrong schedule, but I, I think know. we end with KU. I think KU's the Thanksgiving week game. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Then Baylor's before. Right. right. Okay. So uh, we can go okay. from Pittsburgh to the Cayman Islands, and then the Cayman Islands back to Manhattan to cover the next game. Hmm. I'm just I'm just throwing it out. Is this is this just a two person trip? Well, I mean, two people, two dogs. Yeah, the dogs are gonna go. <sighs> Get your dog suit out, Cole. I'm telling you what. We've got some really fun trips coming up with football. I mean, you know, once the new conference kicks in, you get these four destinations. And then you've got these non-conference games in 23. You can go to Columbia. In 25, you can go to Arizona. That doesn't count you going to Provo and Orlando and Cincinnati. I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in Houston. But it's just fascinating to me that there's going to be some really cool trips. And that doesn't – they've got Colorado coming up with a home and home, right? Coming up like 10 years from now, I think. Yeah. Well, it's coming. We're getting old here. It's moved. Time is moving. Don't forget Piscataway. Oh, Piscataway in the fall. Like nine, anyhow, nine more years. Yeah, I, I think we got some fun road trips coming up for some fans. Look forward to seeing them there. That's it for the podcast. More on that later. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And we'll be back next week with another somewhat exciting, I mean, we don't have car chases and knife fights, but it's still kind of exciting, edition of the PowerCat Podcast. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.